Now, if someone were to ask you this question, what does God want from you more than anything else? What would you say? If you said moral devotion, ethical behavior, religious ritual, you'd be wrong. You see, the essence of the Christian life is summed up in two words, love affair. God wants a love affair with you. The Bible says that God created the universe so as to create our solar system, so as to create our planet. And he created our planet in such a way that he could create you so that he could love you. He wants a relationship with you. And the most important thing that you can do with your life, folks, is to love him back. That is why the first and greatest commandment is out of Matthew 22, says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Folks, nothing is more important than you and I loving God. That's why we're gonna devote a whole year to it. The first third, we're gonna take a look at loving God. The second third, which is similar to the first, loving other people. And then the last one, loving our community at large. God says this, if you do this, you are fulfilling the primary purpose of your life. If you miss this, and I hate to be negative so early, you can consider your life a failure regardless of how high you go up on the corporate ladder. Now there is a term for this, this this expression of love to God. It's called worship. Worship isn't isn't a ritual or a routine that you do at church. No, worship simply means expressing your love to God. Anytime you worship by expressing your love to him, that, or yeah, anytime you express your love to him, that's called worship. And you can do it by yourself and you can do it with others. Now you may have noticed that some people truly have a hard time do they not, of saying those three little words, I love you. I see it in the hallways. If someone comes by and I just, hey, I love you. And they go, they don't know how to handle it, okay? Sometimes we feel, have the emotions of love, but, but we don't know how to express it to our spouse, to our kids, to, to our extended family, to our coworkers. We even have a hard time doing that with God. Question is, why is that? Well, to be honest with you, there's all kinds of reasons. Maybe some of you uh, have a hard time because you were raised in a non-expressive family. Yes, you were raised in a home where there was love, but it was just wasn't expressed. This was true of my wife's family. Uh, my mother-in-law and father-in-law, Wayne and Margaret. I mean, when I came into their family, now this was uh, 42 years ago, I mean, you never heard that word in their family, guaranteed. And yet I'd say, hey, I love you, and they'd go, like this, and I'd say, oh, I love your daughter, and when I had kids, I love my kids. It wasn't until Cheryl and I had been married almost 25 years that all of a sudden, one day, I heard out of their mouths to each other, I love you. Cheryl and I walked out of the house, we thought, my goodness, what has happened, okay? Or maybe you weren't raised in a a family of love at all, and that's why you have a hard time expressing. Or maybe you were taught just to stuff your emotions, or maybe you've been hurt in the past by someone. Oh, this is a big one, okay? And you know what? I'm never going to tell anybody ever again, I love you. 
Or maybe you've had some painful experience in your life and you're still resentful. And so maybe that's why you have a hard time saying, I love you, to God and to other people. Folks, there's all kinds of reasons that, that people find it hard to say those three little words, I love you. Well, I want you to know something. If you fall into that category, today is your lucky day. Today, we're gonna talk about how to express your love to God. When I was doing my research for this, I went on the internet and I found that there was a book, 101 Ways to Say I Love You. And so I'm gonna teach each one of those this morning, okay, for two minutes each. So get comfortable, right? Just kidding. We're gonna take a look at six ways to express our love to God. And I am not going to teach you so much how to do this as I am going to lead you in an interactive service. At the end of every point, because we're starting this new year and because this is the theme for Life Point, this is the first step in a three-year step of really becoming all that God wants us to be and the great things is I want you to evaluate. I want you to evaluate yourself on each of these six ways to express your love to God. And I am hoping by the end of our time that you will feel loved by God and that you will have at least an easier way of expressing that to him. So six ways. And the first way is this, by singing to him. And folks, we love to jam for Jesus here at LifePoint. Now you have probably noticed that music and love go hand in hand. And that is because music comes from the heart. It's not so much an intellectual thing as it is a soul thing. And because love comes from the heart, there are lots and lots and lots of songs about love. In fact, some stations have a whole programming devoted to it. You remember Delilah? You remember that? I mean, you can go to Sirius XM and they got a love channel, okay? But did you know that there are more love songs written and sung about Jesus than any other topic? Bar none, folks. Christianity is a singing faith. Why? Because it's not about religion. It is about a love affair. Take a look at Psalms 147, verse 7. Sing out your thanks to him, sing praises to our God. A lot of times I have people come up to me and they'll say, Pastor George, I just need to love God more. I says, no, you don't. What you need to understand is how much God loves you. When you understand that, then you're gonna love God more. And there's one way that you can really understand more in your heart and even in your mind that God loves you, and that is through praising him. Now, I know what some of you think. You're sitting here and you're thinking, Pastor George, you really don't understand. I can't sing. And you're right, you can't. I have heard some of you. It is really bad, okay? You don't clap on beat, you clap on my beat. That is not good, okay? And yet, isn't it comforting to know that you and I don't have to sing on key uh, or even on, on the right bar, whatever that means, okay? You, all you have to do is make a joyful noise and you can do that. I've seen some of you in front of your TVs. We will, we will rock you. You know, that song. It's noise. I've done weddings before where 
and in the element of it, I talk about how they got to give up their childish ways and be mature in their love towards one another. And there was this one couple, this groom, that his mom saved Barney. And I pulled out Barney. And I said to this groom, I says, you know what? That means you got to quit singing this song, I love you. And he started singing. The whole congregate, 300 people, folks, started singing the Barney song. It was noise. And so I know that you and I can make noise for God. Now, some of you, you purposefully come late. You, you come in and you think, you know what? I'm just gonna miss the crowd. I'm just gonna wait till everything kind of gets settled in. And I'm gonna come in for the main event. I'm gonna come in for the teaching. That's the most important part. Can I just say this? Don't do that. That's stupid. You not only need principles for your mind, but you need music for your heart. Your heart needs to be healed from the week of chaos that you've experienced out in the world. When you feel panicked about some problem, you need to praise God. When you are worried about someone in your family or some aspect that's going on in your life, you need to worship. Because when you worship, it increases the size of your God and it shrinks the size of your problem. And it will heal your achy, breaky heart. And so I want us to all get up like I said, I'm going to lead us in worship, and I want it to be on my beat, okay? Let's do this for God. Come on. Mike, let's give it to him.
church live loud, our God will save. We believe, we believe that the lost will be found. worshiping and that is stimulation God has created worship to meet the need of stimulation in your life so evaluate yourself here's the question how often do you sing your thanks and love to God regularly occasionally rarely I want you to put a check where you're at and a star where you want to be God wants to raise the joyful noise in your house, okay? The second way that you and I express our love to God is by talking to him. Now, next week, we're gonna go in-depth, starting an in-depth study on the seven connections of prayer out of the Lord's Prayer, okay? Because God wants us to talk. Talking to God is an expression of love. Truly, it took me a while for me to understand that, that marriage is about communication. And the key is to talk. I discovered that the more I had knee-to-knee, face-to-face, deep, soul-to-soul conversations with my wife, not the kind of conversations like, hi, how are you? I'll see you later on tonight. Love you, bye. No, those don't count. I'm talking about knee-to-knee, face-to-face, deep, soul-to-soul conversations That's when I discovered that our relationship really grew. When we didn't have knee-to-knee, face-to-face, soul-to-soul conversations, our relationship decayed. And I express it that way because in relationships, there is no such thing as status quo. Now, we're going to get to this in the second, third of the year. There's no such thing as status quo. You are either growing in your relationship or it's decaying. Folks, the same is true in your relationship with God. On the days that you don't have significant conversation with God, it's decaying. On the days that you do have significant conversations, it's going to grow. And that makes sense, isn't it? You see, in relationships where love exists, you just don't want to spend time with that person, do you? You also want 
to talk with them. Do you remember, this may be distant stuff for some of us here, but do you remember when you were a teenager and how much you talked to that girlfriend? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, when my kids were in this stage of life, they would come in, I'm a guy, ask them two questions. How you doing? Fine. What was your day like? What'd you do today? Nothing. You know what? And I go, okay, that's enough. I understand. Okay. But then the phone would ring and there'd be a girl on the other end. And, oh, well, talk this way and talk that way and talk about emotions and, and things that they did that day and all these kind of dreams that they had and that kind of stuff. And they get off the phone and says, you got a girlfriend, don't you? How did you know, dad? I says, you're talking to her. You're talking. And while they were conversing and talking with this other person, folks, that's how they were getting to know them. And in essence, kind of fall in love with them. You see, I say this to couples. If you're not having any meaningful conversations, you have every reason in the world to think and wonder whether they love you or not. Honestly, let me make this practical point. I see too many couples, even in our church, I'm everywhere. And they're having a date and they're eating dinner and not a word is spoken between them, but they're going like this. If there is no meaningful conversation, deep, knee to knee, face-to-face, soul-to-soul conversation, you have every reason to wonder whether your spouse loves you. Folks, husbands and wives need communication like multiple vitamins, daily doses. So does our relationship with God, which raises the question, what do you and I talk to God about? Folks, everything your hopes, your dreams, the things that you failed in, the things that, 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 that uh, you were embarrassed about, the fears that you have. When I was getting my calf pulled after surgery, because I'd had a lot of different procedures that didn't work, where they pulled the calf and it, it didn't work, they were getting ready to pull this thing at 6.37 in the morning, and I called up Cheryl and I said, Cheryl, is there any way that you can get to the hospital because I, I think they're gonna pull my calf to see if everything's working, and I am scared to death. She says, George, I, I'm not gonna be able to make it in time. Click, God. It's just you and me, God, Okay. And I'm gonna be really honest with you. God, I am scared to death, but we will do this thing together. Folks, you talk to God about everything. Take a look at Psalms 116, verses one through two. I love the Lord because he hears and answers my prayers, because he bends down and listens. I will pray as long as I have breath. Will you circle the word love and pray and draw a line between them? Because folks, they go hand in hand. Honestly, some of you don't feel close to God. In fact, you'd say that your relationship with him is just ho-hum. It's routine. It's lifeless. Can I just say this? If that's where you're at, start talking to God. And when you talk to him, just be normal. Like I was God. I'm just scared. I'm telling you this, God. I'm scared. 
You don't have to use fancy words or flowery speech. Prayer isn't a ritual that you do. It is a relationship that you have where you just talk to God about what's going on in your life. And today we start our 40-day prayer campaign called Be Heard. I'm just kind of queuing up. Next week we're gonna get in to the Lord's Prayer. But I wanna encourage you to go to our website Because on our website, we have a prayer guide. For some of you, this may be beginning for you. We've got a five-minute outline. It's all based on the acrostic pray, P-R-A-Y. Praise, repent, ask, and yield. And we've got a five-minute version for you so that just kind of put your toes into the water. For some of you, you're beyond that. We've got a 15-minute version of that. And for some of you, you're wanting to go to the advanced course. We have a half-hour outline on how you can talk to God through the acronym or acrostic of PRAY. Now, one of the things that we want to do to help you with this is to remind you halfway just to to pray. So that's why I'm asking for your text. I promise it it won't be abused. If it gets abused by anyone else, I will have a serious conversation with them, okay? So I want your text numbers. And I just want you to put them down so that we can keep you posted and give us your email so that we can email you the prayer calendar. But one of the things that we wanna do is to give you a symbol. If you remember when I taught several weeks ago, I said a prayer list is nothing more than an outward symbol of our inner requests. Well, we got something cool for you. In fact, will you put that ring up there? This one's got the word love on it, okay? But um, I have a ring. It is the, my prayer ring, okay? We wanna make these for you. And basically what it is is an initial. It's the first letter of your request. It may be uh, you know, I, 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 that you're gonna pray about. Maybe it's gonna be your family, okay? Mine is built on the five C's. Community, crowd, congregation, committed, core. And I have prayer things for each of those things. And for mine, community is in. That's for my neighbors. I know who my neighbors are, and I pray for them, okay, every day. And then uh, then the next letter for me, if I can read that thing, is S. It's for the small group. That's kind of the the crowd, okay? And so I pray for my crowd. I pray for my congregation, or those people in my small group. And then the next one is, is F, and that is for my family, okay? That's my congregation. That's my tribe. And then the next one is uh, committed, and that's for a character area in my life. I'm praying that God just increases my passion to be open to the Holy Spirit's mo- movement in my life and in our church to get things done for the glory of God. So that's my prayer. And then the last one, uh, the, the core, is L, life point. That, that would be your profession. And I pray for life point, and I've got mine all out there. We want to make these for you. So pull out the envelope that is in your bulletin. You'll see this. And it's got five things. We're gonna stamp it with five things. This is for you. This isn't for me. It's for you. And next week, we're gonna collect these. So you write them out, five things, which would stand for five letters. We're gonna make them for you. And as we make them, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray for your life, those five things. Okay, because we're gonna give this back to you, okay, as well. Because I don't know about you, but I made mine, and then I thought, what does N stand for? I forgot what N stands for. Um, But it'll be on there to remind you, this is for you. And you can put it around your neck with a chain. 
You can put it on your uh, key ring. Uh, you can just put it in your pocket. It's for you. Now, one of the things that I told you that I was gonna do in this prayer campaign is that I was going to pray for you specifically. In your bulletin, you will find a three by five card. Those three by five cards are your prayer requests for me. I am going to go into my prayer closet the next 40 days and I am going to pray for every person in this church. And so I want you to put your name on it or your initials. And if you don't have the guts to do that, put an X, okay? And write out what you want me to pray for you specifically about, for you. Don't you put down, I want you to pray for Aunt Susie. Okay, right? I get a lot of those. I wanna pray for you. You're in our church. And so whatever it is, it may be work. George, pray that I have more courage to, you know, be, be Christ-like. George, pray that I have more wisdom. Uh, George, pray for my family that there's more unity. Whatever you put down, I'm gonna collect them today and I'm going into my prayer closet tomorrow. We are gonna be a prayed up church. Now, next week, we're gonna get into the Lord's Prayer. And what you're gonna discover in the Lord's Prayer are seven connection points that meet seven needs in your, in your life. And they also reflect seven character attributes about God. When you and I get into this thing as a church family uh, and we start talking and praying to God over these seven connection points, our hearts are going to grow. And we're gonna fall more in love with God because we're gonna see God begin to work in us and to begin to work through us. So, rate yourself. When it comes to your prayer life, here's the question. How often do you talk to God each day? Once a day, twice a day, three times a day, morning, noon, and night? Regularly, occasionally, or rarely? Check where you're at, put a star where you wanna be. Let me be a part of that journey. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you. Just in line of just pray. I just praise you that you're a God who has ears, that you are willing to listen to us when we talk to you and that we don't have to be fancy, we can be real. God, I just repent. God, I just say so often, I don't talk to you enough that I'm independent. But God, I ask you that you would move in my life and in our church's life, that we would become people who pray that we would become a church that prays, that as we pray and talk to you, that we see who you are far more in love with you and see you work, God. And as you do, God, we will yield to your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The third way that you express your love to God is by listening to him. You see, listening to God Listening is one of the greatest gifts that you can give somebody because it meets one of the two basic or fundamental needs that you have, and that is being understood. I don't know if you've been in conversations where you're talking with someone who says, you, you just don't understand me. We long, it is just a foundational need to, to know that we are understood by other people. And when you listen to someone, you are meeting that need. You are communicating to them. You know what? 
you matter to me. When you listen to him, you're saying, I value what you say. I, I, I value your opinion. You are important to me. When you don't listen to a person, and I taught my kids eye to eye. When someone's talking to you, you look them in the eyes because the eye is the window of their soul. You will understand more of what's going in their life and you will be able to communicate and connect as you do so. My wife caught me this week. I'm into Panda Pop. You know what I'm talking about, the game? It's a mindless game. It's my only game that I've ever done in 42 years. My wife really is rejoicing, but she's talking to me and, and I'm playing like this. And she says, George, are you listening to me? Uh-huh. Look at me. Oh, sorry. You look at them in the eyes. And when you listen to someone, you know what? It's communicating that they matter. And the same is true with God. When you and I listen to God, it's saying, God, you matter to me. And what you are saying and speaking to me about, I really do value. Now, when it comes to this whole aspect of prayer, listening is the most misunderstood part about it. Most people are confused. They think that prayer is just talking to God. That's 50%. The other 50% is listening. But too often, we're in too big of a hurry, especially in our culture, to slow down and listen to what God may have to say. We come to God and say, hey, God, it's me, Pastor George, at PG, but if you don't know what that means, that stands for Pastor George. And I want to give you the 10 things Right now, God, and I rip, we rip them off. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Here they are, God. And I'm done, over and out, ten, four, good buddy. I'll see you tomorrow. And we don't wait for an answer. We don't listen. We don't think that God might have something to say to us that day about one of those ten things. You see, how does God speak to us? Maybe about the ten things that are going on in our our minds. Well, he does it in a number of ways. Let me give him to you. Let me give you some. One is he speaks through the Bible. He speaks through the Bible. Secondly, he speaks through experiences in life. He, he speaks through painful experiences. He speaks through other people, maybe a counselor, maybe a friend, maybe Pastor George on a Sunday morning. He speaks through impressions. He gives you ideas. Did you know that? He, God loves to give ideas. When God gives an idea, it's called inspiration. In fact, someone several weeks ago, George, where'd you come up with this 2020 vision? You know, year of love, year of hope, year of faith. I said, well, God had to get me sick for like six months, okay? Where I slowed down, where I could hear him speak to me. He gave me ideas. God wants to give you ideas. When the devil gives you an idea, that's called temptation. When you give yourself an idea, that's called stupid. Okay? Now, how do you know that the idea, the impression that you're getting, whether it's from God's word, whether it's from a person, whether it's just an idea that pops in your mind, how do you know that it is God-inspired or that God's behind it? Well, it's as you test it. There are seven ways to test an impression. And there are seven questions, basically. And the first one is, does it agree with the Bible? You see, God never contradicts his word. Secondly, will it make me more like Christ? Jesus is the standard. The third one is, do mature, mature believers confirm it? 
Remember that verse, bad company corrupts good morals? Hey, you can find people, oh yeah, I agree with that, just go for it. Find mature believers. The fourth one is, is it consistent with how God has shaped you? Sometimes I get these wild hairs that I am going to lead people in worship because I am a rock star. Folks, I can't clap on beat. Anytime I get those kinds of impressions, it's obvious that one isn't from the Lord, okay? I have not been shaped to be a worship leader. I've been shaped to to lead a congregation as a pastor. Here's another one. Does it concern my responsibility? That's a good one. In other words, does it fall within the circle of my my responsibility, my, my influence? The sixth one, and this is good, is it convicting rather than condemning. You see, conviction comes from God to help us be better. Condemnation comes from the devil who wants us to feel bad. And then the last one is, do I sense God's peace about it? God's not a God of disorder. God is a God of order. This is how you test. It's how you hear. It's how you test an impression. And God wants to talk to you. And you hearing from God is a sign that you're a part of his family. Did you know that? Take a look at John 10, 14 and 16. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me and they listen to my voice. If you've never had or heard from God, had an impression where you knew it was from God, you have every reason to wonder whether you are really a part of his family whether you're a believer, whether you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so here is the question that you need to rate yourself by. How often do you slow down and pause and say, God, do you have anything to say about this? I'm listening. Before I walk into a meeting, I pause and say, okay, God, I'm prepped up for this meeting. I got my agenda in my mind. But God, I want to listen to you just for a moment. It's a Nehemiah prayer. Real quick, God, speak to me now. I'm listening if you want to change the agenda. So rate yourself. We are getting ready to go in to observe the Lord's Supper, communion. And one of the aspects of it is listening. Because God wants to speak to us. And so I want to set that up as we listen to this song. Pastor Mike. There's anything in my life 
slow down long enough this year to allow God to speak to you so that you can know him better so that you can see him work in your life God's wanting to do some big things this year and you have a choice you can let 2017 be just like 2016 or you can make it better there's a fourth way that we express our love to God and that is by publicly identifying with him. By not being ashamed of him at work, at school, on the soccer fields with our friends as we're watching our kids play soccer. Last week I, I shared the point that a lot of times Christians will kind of dumb down their identity with Christ. People will ask them, you know, hey, what's going on? And, and people say, well, I'm a spiritual person or I'm a person of faith or I go to church. Church didn't save you. Being spiritual didn't save you. Being, being uh, uh, faith didn't save you. Jesus Christ saved you. And God wants you and I to be proud of that. He wants us to boldly declare, I'm a Christian. You see, if you and I are ashamed to identify with Christ, then we gotta wonder where we're at in our relationship with them because when you love someone, you're not ashamed to identify with them publicly, are you? I mean, what would you think of this? If, if When I was dating my wife, Cheryl, and I came to her and said, Cheryl, let's get married, okay? And let's be committed to one another for life, but let's not tell anybody. Let's keep it a secret to ourselves. Don't you think that's a good idea? But some of you think she's kind. She would have slapped me silly, okay? She said, forget you, Jackson. Why? Because when you're in love with somebody, you do not mind to publicly identify with them. Take a look at this verse. Jesus talks about this out of Mark chapter eight, verse 38. If anyone is ashamed of me and my teaching, then I will be ashamed of him when I come with the glory of my father. He's, he's saying that I want you to publicly identify with me. Now, how do we do that? 
Well, God, being the leader that he is, you see, Jesus was a strategic leader, and he knew the importance of symbols. Every leader who's worth his weight in salt does, okay? And he gave you and I two symbols that we can publicly identify with him. The first one is communion. Communion helps us to identify with the death, the burial, and the resurrection. It helps us to identify with the penalty of sin where we have been forgiven as for, uh, by Jesus dying on the cross, okay? It's, it helps us to identify the power of sin, that we've been freed from it because of the cross. It's an identity that we have a future, okay, uh, where there will be no sin. In heaven, when you and I take communion, we are identifying with those three things. And it's not a time where you and I come together as a spiritual family and we're guilty and, and, and uh, feel grief, but rather is where we come together and we express gratitude to God. And so as a spiritual family, let's identify with this. Ushers, please come down. And we're gonna take the Lord's Supper. And here's how we're going to do it. Let's go ahead and pass. Is that we're gonna wait on each other. And we're gonna allow this time, like that song said, to listen. God, what are you going to do? What do you want to say to me? And after everyone has been served, we're going to take the bread together. And then we're going to take the juice together. I would have all of us know that you don't have to be a member of Life Point Church to take the Lord's Supper. But you do need to be a follower of Jesus. To take it and not be that... <laughs> would be a contradiction, okay? God says, hey, this is for my family. And so if you're not there yet, that's okay. Okay, we'd love to help you get there, but if you're not there yet, let it pass. Just let it pass. Because this is for those who would claim the name of Christ. Say, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus Christ. I love him. He saved me. So let's take a moment just to reflect.
So we take the bread, which represents his body. And we're grateful that through his body, he paid for our forgiveness, that he paid for our freedom, that he paid for our future. And that is why he said this, for I received from the Lord, or Paul did, what I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. And then the wine, representing his blood and how through his blood, we have been transformed. Our lives have been changed. Our fears have been turned into faith. Our, 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 our cowardness has turned into confidence. So let's give thanks to him. It says this, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take the juice. Lord, I thank you that you've given us this to remember you. God, it's unbelievable, but it's so easy to, to forget in our busy lives to forget that you paid for our sin to give us forgiveness, that you paid for our freedom, to, that you paid for our future, that you wanted to transform our lives of being people of faith, being people who are filled with confidence. And so God, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Now there's a second symbol that he's given us, and it's baptism. Now you may sit here and you may think, well, Pastor George, why? I mean, what is this baptism thing all about? I mean, I take a shower before I come to church. I mean, why do I have to get wet for God right now, okay? Well, baptism is, it, you and I get baptized for three reasons, three public statements, okay? And the first one is found in Romans 6. And will you write by that? Because I believe publicly in the resurrection, Listen to this. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace, a new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. The second public statement that goes on when you get baptized, will you write beside Colossians 2.12, right beside, I'm burying my old self. Going under the water was a burial of your old life. Coming up out of it was a resurrection. God raising you from the dead as he did Christ. And then the third one is in Galatians 3.20. And will you write by that, it's a demonstration of faith. Your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for a fresh start. It also involved dressing you in an adult faith wardrobe. Christ's life, the fulfillment of God's original promise. Now, let me just say this. If you say you love Jesus and you haven't been baptized yet, why haven't you taken the most basic step 
to publicly identify Jesus. God wants you to do that. So rate yourself. I haven't, or I have. It's really that simple. The fifth way that you and I express our love to God is by being committed to him. And this truly is what love is all about, isn't it? Our, our purpose statement starts off with that. We believe a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church and great people. And if you think about it, nothing happens in your life or in my life until we are committed. Your commitments will determine your future. That's why I say the weak and the strong are defined by their commitments. And because that is true, you and I better be careful what we commit ourselves to because if we commit ourselves to the wrong things, it could affect our future. But know and understand this, you can never, ever go wrong by being fully committed to Jesus Christ. Never. Now, what does that look like? Five things. It means and we've got a symbol for it. We call it our racetrack. Put that up on the big screen. It's five things. It's where we celebrate together God's presence with his people. It means that we commit our lives to Jesus Christ, and we express that through baptism and joining his family. And then it means that we connect. We connect to God by joining up with others so that we can learn and we can see it modeled in a smaller community. It means, fourthly, that we are equipped. We're equipped to know the gifts, the talents, and the abilities that God wants us to use in the church and outside the church. And then finally, it's about deploying. It is about going and sharing our story. Everyone loves stories. Sharing our story with others as we fulfill our mission. These are the five basic commitments of the Christian life. And each of those truly are an act of worship. Take a look at Romans 12.1. I love this. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. And then finally, the fifth or sixth way that we can express our love to God is through giving. Truly, giving is at the core of love. You spell love, G-I-V-E. And yes, it is true. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 8. Just as you excel in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in complete earnestness, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love. Folks, our giving is a test of our love for God. And so we give. God, I love you. Yes, I want to give to your purposes. Yes, I want to give to your family. Yes, God, I want to give to the community that we have through the church. And so we give. And so rate yourself. How would, how would you do it? I give regularly. I give occasionally. I give rarely. Well, church, we're off. This is the year of love. And this is where we're going to grow in our love for God. 
next week as we jump in to the Lord's Prayer. Don't miss it. Don't, don't forget to put in your, your uh, prayer request that I'm gonna personally pray for. You wanna be prayed for, okay? I wanna pray for you. Put it in. Don't forget, next week we're gonna collect those envelopes with the five things that you want us or you wanna pray for your life as a reminder. This is so that we as a spiritual family grow in love this year. Let's pray. Lord, you're good. You're a good God. You're a great God. You are awesome in every way. And God, I can't wait for this year to unfold as we discover more about talking to you and listening to you, understanding that you're a good God, that you're a good father, a good, good father, and that you wanna work, that you wanna work in us and that you wanna work through us, that you wanna change us and you wanna transform us. You want us to transform our minds to understand that you are a God that loves us. And I pray for our church, God, Increase our love for you. Increase our love for one another. Increase our love for our families, God. As we go down this road this year, increase our love for our community. And so, God, we give you this time. Be honored, be blessed by it. In your son's precious name we pray, amen.